Hello, this is the In Squash Podcast, episode 218, and I'm your host, uh, Jerry Gibson. And today uh, we have on two-time Canadian national champion, Pan Am Game medalist, currently ranked number 95 in the world. I could be wrong with that. Uh, was ranked as high as number 66. Nick Sackfee uh, is on today and uh, really delighted to have him on Friend of the Podcast. Uh, he was uh, on one of my very early episodes, and he's been on a couple of times, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is his third uh, occasion of being on. And uh, we were going to try to get this done uh, just before the Canadian Nationals, but we didn't get it, uh, didn't make it happen. But we do this time, and the timing couldn't be more uh, perfect because at that time he hadn't, it hadn't been announced that, uh, that he was representing Canada at the Commonwealth Games. The team hadn't been announced, but just about a week or so ago, the team was announced, and he is one of the two. Uh, David Bayarjan uh, is the other member of the men's uh, Canadian uh, squash team heading to Birmingham. And also on the women's side, we have Nicole Bunyan and Holly Naughton, and that should be an exciting. So it's uh, David Bayarjan, Nick Sackfee, Nicole Bunyan, and Holly Naughton representing Canada at the Commonwealth Games. And uh, we're going to have quite a, I think, uh, hopefully we'll have Nicole on in the next few days. We're trying to get uh, Holly to come on as well. She's very busy with squash camps, I think, at Cornell, but hopefully uh, that's going to happen. But today it's all about uh, big Nick Sackfee, and uh, really delighted to have him on. We'll take a look at uh, his squash over the last uh, couple of years since uh, he's been on. Obviously, COVID hit us, and that had a huge impact on him, as it did uh, many other players. But uh, also, we'll uh, talk about uh, the Canadian Nationals, where he came up just a bit short. Uh, losing out in the semi to uh, the Enigma Sean Delierre, which is always uh, going to be a tough ask. And we also talk about a selection to the uh, Commonwealth Games team and what happened the last time around in 2018 where uh, the men weren't chosen to uh, participate. I think it was Sam Cornett and Nicole uh, Todd who represented Canada uh, in Australia at that event, but no men were chosen. So we talk about uh, how special this one is. He's a, a medalist at the Pan Am Games, but uh, has never repped uh, Canada here uh, in the Commonwealth game so this was a big one for him and we talk about uh, just basically his squash uh, season over the last couple of years the struggles he's had uh, the wins the losses and how he uh, sort of uh, processes all of that uh, as a player and tries to continue moving forward he has a unique setup uh, where he plays and trains mostly in Niagara on the lake uh, there with uh, our good friend Matt Easingwood Matt Easingwood's the pro the head pro at the club where Nick Sackfee's dad had run the show for so many years and uh, we talk about what uh, what that's like training under those circumstances with uh, not many hitting partners having to train on your own the chip uh, is on the shoulder that that's the one uh, positive I think you know having to train and play under those circumstances uh, without much funding without much uh, support uh, I guess uh, it makes uh, life difficult for Nick but he does his best and uh, you'll see from this podcast he has a really positive outlook on all of that. So we talk about that and many other things. I know you're going to enjoy this uh, Commonwealth Games episode uh, for the uh, Canadian team, episode 218 with Nick Sackfee. Very. Nick, hey. 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 I don't, I don't, I, I don't think, I'm good. Yeah, I don't think my camera's working. That's all right, man. There, there can only be uh, so much good looks in one of these uh, podcasts. So yeah, I'll, you, I'll take care you of don't, that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm on my computer. But, uh, yeah, it's good to hear your voice. And uh, uh, you're in Toronto now, are you, Nick? No, I'm in I'm in uh, St. Catharines in Niagara. 
Oh, oh okay. So, yeah, yeah. I just figured. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, things well, changed a little. Yeah. Sorry? Things sorry. changed a little during COVID, and uh, I decided to come back home. So right. Yeah. I, I, I made the shift. I made the shift back here because there was about five months or so at the start of COVID where I, I, I was back here hanging out just because, well, everything was closed. Right. So I uh, decided to come back here and have some more freedom and a home, like, you know, my family home to hang out with. Uh, there's just way more to do here. The, the, yeah. Niagara has, has so much more. There's just more openings to get out and go biking, hiking, uh, go for runs. Uh, you're out of the big city with all that, yeah, extra noise, extra concrete. It's just so much nicer here. So I decided to stick around here. And then once my lease was coming up, I said, you know what? Might as well stay here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been there a couple of times and yeah, you couldn't be, uh, you know, it, it's so, so true what you just said, a beautiful place. And uh, I guess a great place just to sort of get away and to try to enjoy life under the uh, circumstances. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, firstly, I, I want to congratulate you on uh, on being named to the Commonwealth Games uh, team. Uh, that's great news. Yeah. No. Um. It's exciting for sure. It was. Uh, you know, you you obviously know going into like say the the upcoming year or season that uh, Commonwealth is uh, Commonwealth is on, is you know is on the mend. It's on, it's it's upcoming and it's something you want to be a part of you're never too sure how many people they're going to send, how many athletes they're going to send for squash. Mm. Because four years ago, they just sent two girls. Yeah, Mainly I was going to ask you about that. that, yeah. that I, I just realized that today uh, when I was kind of, you know, preparing for this, I noticed it was Sam and Nicole Todd got the, the nod. And I think I spoke yeah. to Sam uh, when she was there, but I didn't realize at the time that only the two of them were chosen. So yes. what, what goes yeah. into that? Yeah, that's the thing with Commonwealth is they, they obviously with the softball doubles, it, it adds, you know, a different factor in. And that's that's somewhere where they potentially see medals happening. So, you know, four years ago when Sam and Nikki went, it was uh, the fact that they were a medal medal. They were in contention to medal. They were came fifth at world doubles prior to it. And they were a team that, you know, could be getting a bronze you know, at bronze, silver, gold in the doubles. So they sent them. And then as for the men's side, uh, the two got Sean, Sean and David went to world doubles and, and they weren't, you know, in the top five. So basically what happened was they just decided not to send any mail. I, at the time I was, you know, I think 60 something in the world and I had won nationals. So for, for singles, it was like, I would be the guy, but yeah. Uh, they didn't, they don't care about that. They care about medals. That's, that's just how they see it. I guess they don't want to, our, our country doesn't want to, I guess, waste, waste money on bodies going to these games in a sense. Yeah. And it's like, you know, obviously at the time it's like, I was like, geez, it's, it's just crazy how you wouldn't send anyone at all. And then there's other sports that send five guys for whatever, you know, something similar individual sport. And then, and then even these countries in the Commonwealth that are smaller that, uh, you know, take advantage of this and send as many athletes as they're allowed. Like the, the small, the smaller countries that don't have professionals or this and that, and they're sending multiple people. And it's like, we can't even send our top elite athletes that are actually playing in full time and, and on the pro tour. So, yeah. Uh, 
yeah, it's a bit of a letdown, but obviously now I finally got my chance. Um, and, uh, you know, it's exciting. I have, a, I'm a few weeks out, so, uh, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Now, uh, I was just wondering, I was thinking, uh, how did you hear like, uh, sort of, uh, uh, did someone, did, did you get a phone call or email? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. So, so after nationals, I had a little trip in Tofino out West with the family just to take a, you know, a, tr a true vacation for once instead of just traveling and playing. And, uh, I had, I had just, I just flew back to Niagara, uh, and it was the next day, the Saturday, and I was just out having a, having a, a year end pint with my girlfriend. And, uh, I got a, I got a, a call from the high performance guy for squash Canada. And he said, you know, uh, just want to let you know, like we're, we're picking you for the team yeah, and, uh, we're going to announce it next week for everyone type of thing. So I kind of, uh, had to wait a week until I sort of mentioned sure. it. So then you uh, went out and had another 20 beers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost, almost. But uh, yeah, it was exciting news for sure. When they gave me the call up, um, I had some doubts just because nationals didn't play out the way I wanted. But yeah, at the end yeah. of the day, uh, when it comes down to head to heads and who has more wins, it, favors me and then also my pro ranking was higher so it favors me as well so at the end of the day it just you know even though we had a good battle and uh it just doesn't come down to one match all said and done so i'm glad that uh you know whoever was on the board and whatnot chose me so yeah absolutely i mean sean uh, probably wasn't too hard done by i, I haven't spoken to him or yeah no, he seems yeah, like a pretty good guy uh, that way. <laughs> yeah, he actually sent me a message and just said, you know, congrats or whatever kind of thing because he just said it because he got a call saying, you know, that he 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 wasn't going to be picked. And he just sent me a friendly little message over and uh, yeah, he's he's had his chance. He's done he's done more yeah. than anyone. If any if anyone's <laughs> done more games, yeah, you know, with regards to Pan Am games, Pan Am squash, and and Commonwealth, he's one of those guys who's done you know, a lot, a lot, yeah. like you can't compare it to anyone else because if he was picked on the team, he'd do it. Maybe some of those top guys like JP and them didn't do as many as they could have, whereas Sean really maximized as many as he could. I mean, obviously he played, he's played on the tour for uh, whatever, like 23, 20 something years now. So yeah. uh, he, he's had his fair share. So I'm glad that they chose me too. And, uh, you know, this could be my only time going to Commonwealth because um, I, I might not be able to or might be willing to keep it going another four years in that sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've had your taste of, uh, of medals in, uh, in the Pan Am games, right? You want, I think you want a bronze or a silver as a, in the doubles and maybe as a, uh, as a, yeah. Well, so, but this is another yeah. level. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, yeah, that was my first Pan Am games and, you know, we we got bronze in the team's event and then Sean and I played doubles and uh, and we we ended up getting silver. We had our we had our chances. So, you know, we had our chance to win. We also had our chance to be losing in the quarters, you know, at 10 all and it's sudden death, uh, you know, one all in games and sudden death at 10 all like we could have been knocked out. So the fact, you know, we pulled through and we had some great wins. Uh that was exciting. I felt some really good energy at Pan Am Games, and 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 now that I've done that, it, it 
yeah, it, it was unreal. And hopefully next year's Pan Am Games again. So I'm hoping, you know, I play, I get to play there as well. And uh, the thing with Commonwealth, like you said, it's, it's, it is it is a level up in a sense of the full quality and the amount of athletes that are, you know, like quality PSA players uh, oh, out here playing. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got yeah. The Paul Cole, Joel Macon, Sorf Gosel, uh, all those guys. Uh, yeah. Amongst others. Yeah. Yeah. You got the, yeah. Like some of these teams, like, you know, you got the whole British team is, you know, four guys, uh, you know, top, top 30 in the world kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, so there's, there's just, there's like a solid, you know, and all these teams have good, good guys and good doubles teams. Like the Scottish guys are great. The Aussie guys, uh, some of them are coming back. Like I think Pilly's coming back. Maybe, maybe Kaskelly and Zach Alexander, like these guys aren't on the tour anymore, but they just, they've done it for so long. They know how to play and they, they're, they got great, great, uh, great games, great racket skills, all that. So yeah. the doubles is, 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 uh, is a bit of a gong show. Yeah. I mean, who knows what's <laughs> going to happen, but there's definitely those teams that a have those kind of elite ball strikers, uh, great tactics and, and they've done the the softball doubles a lot more, and, yeah. and you know they're obviously the teams that are favored. But there is a little side of it where I think um, you know you can see some upsets with with some teams that aren't as familiar with softball doubles, but they have good singles players and good athletes that can maybe make something of it and get some some upsets. So. Do you think um, there's a little bit of a, I mean, obviously uh, throughout Canada, especially in Ontario, maybe BC, I think in Montreal, maybe as well, double, there are hardball doubles courts, I think around, they, they seem to be, you know, in a lot of clubs around Canada. But where, uh, do you think that gives maybe you or uh, the Canadian players or players, maybe even from the U.S., they're, they're not in the games, obviously, but uh you know, players uh slight advantage in the doubles you know that, that you may have played it even though it's hardball but uh. yeah i you know what I, I wouldn't say so because even even saying that like a lot of us don't play hardball doubles mm. we i don't have a hardball doubles court at white oaks uh when i was in toronto for years i might have hopped on a doubles court twice a year because they asked me to play a pro-am, right? And I'm just doing it for the fun of it and to make a little side cash. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's totally different because, you know, the court's so much smaller, obviously, it's, it's than a hardball doubles. And obviously the ball is just, it's just, it's a little more, I don't know. It's just yeah, a totally it's different game. Totally different game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe if you played a bit of hardball doubles, Maybe it could translate pretty well into the softball with some of the shots and, and the angles. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you are using a softball and, you know, you are playing against guys who are, uh, you know, elite. Like these guys yeah. can all move well and they can hit an attack off of an attacking shot. Right. So, yeah. The hardball doubles is different because the ball is moving so fast. Like if you're not really ready or set up, it's, it's like guys slow it down. They use different angles and then they rip, rip a reverse winner. Whereas like the softball doubles, you, you see a, a little different uh, combo of shots and uh, tactics. And, and obviously you have these guys, you're still hitting the ball. Like you are playing singles. You're just mixing up the, the yeah. rhythm and, and the, and the attacking shots a bit more. 
Yeah, I guess the on, the only sort of similarity might be just the the teamwork, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, team- and I, yeah, and the teamwork actually, you know, there's a lot of balls where you're you're you know one they're right in the middle, and you one of you has to decide <laughs> who's hitting it. Someone yeah. has to call it. Um, and also, if a guy's out of position and and they're kind of almost picking on them like they put him up front and he's trapped and they slam it near him you you know you have to know you have to be aware and cover the other side of the court and you know i'm i'm lucky with with david being a lefty um so he gets his forehand and i get my forehand um which is great because you know if we can get our a good flow out there and a good rhythm like he's a he's a, a a very physical strong good mover and he really really you know he's aggressive like that and uh he hits he hits a good good forehand kill and uh can really pancake a ball over there and then uh so we have two you know we're both kind of like explosive heavy hitters and and we're we're good movers so if we can get our tactics down and cut out mistakes and maybe be a little more aggressive when we get the weak balls i think uh that's kind of our what we need to do. We got it. We got a little taste of it at world doubles. So, yeah. Um, but, but we showed up there with zero practice, zero hits. Uh, so the whole thing was like, as we're playing matches, we're learning what to do. And now that we've done that and we'll get, uh, you know, five days or, or we'll get like a good week of doubles training before Commonwealth. Uh, I think we'll feel way more comfortable out there and, and have a shot at, you know, pulling out some, something, yeah, definitely. Do you, do you plan on training, like doing any training together in uh, while you're in Canada, or will that be when you uh, head over? I think as of now, we'll just be doing it over there, unless you know, unless we we can. If there's, if you know, like someone like David's around and it, it seems worth it uh, for us, uh, you know, we can get on more singles style. But um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I guess that's the same yeah. for everybody, I, I, I would assume, right? Uh, there aren't many doubles squash courts around anyways, are there? No, yeah. A lot, of these, a lot of these countries will be training somewhere else, or if they have the courts, they'll be taking advantage of the practice right now. Like, There's definitely countries training every day right now for Commonwealth as a team or in the doubles yeah. setting if they're all together, right? Like, I'm here at White Oaks. Uh, you know, uh, Holly's and uh, was was is all over the place. I think she's in. I, I think I saw her post something. She's at uh, in Ithaca at Cornell with Palmer. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nicole Bunyan might be down south in the U.S. too, still because that's where she lives. And then, and then David David's in Montreal, and maybe he's going to go to England early. I'm not too sure. So it's like, uh, yeah, we're kind of all free for all, which, which. Right. Which, you know, we all do our, our things still. We still train hard, but, you know, it'd be obviously nice to get some, some more early training and a couple things going before just to get some famil- familiarity, you know, on, on the court and, and with each other as teammates in that sense with, with the doubles. But what I can you, you do? I guess you guys all know, you know each other really well anyways. So, I mean, that part yeah. of the familiarity and you know each other's games so well. Uh, obviously you'd love to get out there and practice some doubles, but, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the main thing I think is like, you know, we can all prepare and get ready for the singles, which will be, I think the, I think at the games, the first few days or first, whatever half of the games is, is singles. And then they, 
transition into the doubles and the mixed doubles and men's and women's doubles stuff. So, yeah. uh, so we'll have time to practice because even during the individual stuff, we'll, we'll mix in some doubles practice while we're playing. Yeah. And if we're knocked out early, say, well, you're still practicing to get ready for doubles then. So what, what are you, what's your vision in the singles? I mean, we talked about, you know, all the, all the big, big names out of there, but obviously, uh, you know, you're going there to, to win, even, even though you're up against some tough competition. Uh, so what's your mindset heading into, to the singles, uh, just take every match as it comes. That, that comes? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's tough. I mean, my pro ranking's not quite high enough right now to be seated anywhere in the top where I'm getting, you know, some easier draws. I'd say I'm probably going to, yeah. going to have to work my way into, uh, some, you know, some tough matches to move, move anywhere far in the draw. Um, cause I know, I know once you, get, once you even win the first round, you're probably, you're probably playing a, you know, a top 16 guy right away. And, uh, yeah, it's tough. I think singles wise, I'm not going to put too much pressure up pressure on myself at all, because at this point it's like, I'm back here training. I, I'm not hitting with anyone to be honest and I'm ghosting, I'm hit soloing. And I'm in the gym every day trying to get stronger, faster, and just kind of a bit of that off-season mentality is in right now Yeah. in the sense that I'm trying to get my body leveled up before Commonwealth, even if it's maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'm not hitting as much or getting any practice match in that sense. But um, I definitely want to go in and, and find myself playing well and get an upset, but yeah. I also am thinking like, well, you know, I have a, a few weeks. It's like, I really want to feel like I'm physically a beast when I get there yeah. and, and the squash I'll, I, I'll, I've hit enough squash balls. I'll, I've done enough drills and moved enough on court where, uh, at the end of the day, it's all my, my tactics and my, and my mindset. And if I, I, when I'm playing my best squash, I'm, it, you know, it's, it's all, everything's work works out its way out. Like, uh, I I've done what I have to do and I'm relaxed and I'm in a good, in a good place, you know? So I think it's just exciting to be able to like when I'm training, I'm, I'm excited because I know what I have coming up and I'm looking forward to Commonwealth. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah, it's gotta Every be time exciting. I, yeah. As soon as you received that phone call, you must have been okay. It's go time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and 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 obviously, it's like you know, say when it when I found out I'm like six, seven weeks out, it's like okay, like you have your little kind of two weeks of taking it easy, less squash, just because you know you're playing all, all year long, and now it's like okay, let's uh, let's. You know, my, the good thing about the rest for me too, was I had so many tournaments back to back to back a week off and back to back to back events again. And it's just like your body doesn't always feel primed in a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, like some days you're moving so well and everything, but your my shoulder would be a little sore, you know, and yeah. it's like, or, or something's a little off and then. And then two weeks later, it's like you have these five game battles, like back to back days in these pro tournaments. And then it's like, you know, 
you're a little little banged up from them, but you recover and it actually makes you better. It builds the body up. You're getting these hard matches you need um, to get to the next level as well. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think now my body feels so good. It's fresh and I'm mm. doing I'm doing what I think I need to do to prepare. If, if there's one thing I would like to add in more, it's to get more matches and yeah. a little more sparring and training on court because I want to I want I, I feel a little more pace on the court, which I'm going to have to start doing these next few weeks, like get some people to come down and, and so forth or get e out of here. Easing for easing what's not going to give you, you know, that much of a run nowadays, is it? No, no. Yeah. Easing <laughs> easing wood sticking to the, the, the simple coaching, you know, not trying to move too much. So yeah, I've he's seen doing, his, he's his doing coaching well videos, uh, the stuff he does in his backyard. That, that, <laughs> <they're> the, <so. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank God we don't have to see any more of those videos. The, the, the COVID squash videos where people are hitting balls on their back garage or whatever. On their picket fence. You how to, yeah. yeah. How to hit a forehand volley on your backyard fence and, and get the neighbors pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's awesome. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, it sounds like you're you're approaching uh, beast mode. So uh, hopefully you get that match play in just a couple of weeks beforehand and you'll be uh, you'll be ready to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right out of the cannon. Exactly. And I think a lot of it, too, for me now is just also just even studying some doubles videos, yeah. which I didn't do too much of before. But if, you know, obviously the singles, it's it's what I've done for so long. It's like, you know, everything can work itself out. If you prepare the same way, you, you, you get ready for your singles matches. But the doubles is just a different thinking. And I think, you know, the, the process of it all is to watch a bit more on like YouTube of, you know, the, the top teams that have been, you know, in the finals or what they do well, right? Just yeah. to study for yourself. And then and then you feel a little more prepared when you go out there. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. You know, get, you know, get the tape out and study it and take some some notes and go over a few things with, with David there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, the Canadian, I want to talk about the Nationals now. Uh, just in general, uh, the Nationals came up. I, I had Victor Berg, uh, an old buddy of mine, uh, on just before the event. You know Victor, yeah. he, he's a super yeah. guy. And it just brings a totally uh, unique uh, energy to anything that he, that he does, uh, which is a good thing. But, uh, you know, you as you mentioned, you lost uh, out to the Enigma there, uh, Delier in the semi. But, but before we talk about that, uh, just from what – what I can gather and from what I heard from various people, the event was amazing. Uh, my buddy, um, you might know Matt Bishop. Uh, he won the over, it was the over 40. 40s, yeah. yeah. I saw, I saw Matt right before he played actually. Yeah. So he was telling me the other day, he was saying it's the first time he, you know, his glass court experience, the first time he's ever had a rain delay on a squash court. Uh, in a squash yeah. match, <laughs> but uh, yeah. just one, just wondering, uh, you know, just overall, what your experience like uh, was like there uh, in Vancouver and how the event went, in your estimation. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I guess for for myself, uh, you know, when I when I think of the event and then I think of, you know, the event as a whole for all the amateurs and the age category people, it definitely. It definitely, they did a lot. They put a lot into it, made, made it a big spectacle. And, uh, you know, they, I think they, I think they played matches at four clubs throughout. Yeah. 
And some yeah. were like the under 23s were here and the A through D were here. And then the age groups were at another club. And, and there's a, a few, you know, some of the clubs there in Vancouver are unreal. Like the Jericho club right yeah. on the beach. It's just like, it's one of my favorite clubs to, to stop into. And, uh, and, and, and everything seemed to be like run well, obviously I'm at the glass court the whole week. Um, and you know, just, just the way they set the glass court up in front of the, the Harbor with some of the mountains behind, like, yeah, it's very picturesque. It's, it's just like any of those major PSA events you see on squash TV where, you know, obviously it's yeah. not the same as all of them, but you know, you've got the pyramids, you've got, you're on the rooftop here. You got the, the San Fran Bay next to the court, <laughs> like all, all these cool yeah, yeah. venues. Right. So it, it had that, it had that, a feel to it like wow like this is pretty cool but then also uh yeah it's tough in a sense i never played early in the day but it's tough for some of the guys to play during the day when the sun's out on the court with the shadows yeah 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 which makes it tough i mean that's one thing i think i you know i'm not going to say much i'm not going to say anything good about it because well it's not great to play squash in the daytime on a glass court uh yeah. i know there's a little tarp above but you know at the end of the day, it's the same for both players, but it just makes the squash a little more difficult and guys don't feel as comfortable or confident on the court, say volleying, or if the ball hits the side wall, are they going to volley off of it? Because it, it can be a bit of a challenge. And obviously with the mm. sunlight coming straight across the ball through the court, yeah, um, it's tough. But I mean, overall, if I, you know, say, let's just, put a scenario out there that I won nationals <laughs> and I'm as happy as can be and everything goes my way. I mean, I would say the event was great. They did a great job. They had bleachers set up all around. They had a little hut set up where you could buy beverages and, and drinks. Um, okay. They had a few uh, stations with sponsors and physio and little things like that. And um the glass court they had a they had they had a guy a guy who's like familiar in the squash uh announcing things on, on on the court with the mic doing the MCing and he did a great job and then uh yeah like from the first my first match onwards like the crowd was great you had you had a good a good amount of people there even in the bad weather and um i played at night so i i i was you know i was under the lights in the dark yeah. see the ball perfectly fine yeah. and uh yeah it's a great fear experience it's it's great to be out there obviously some of the younger guys and the ones that are a little lower on the totem pole are, are just like they love the experience they're happy to get the chance to play on that glass court out there and you've played you know, on the happy. uh you've played on the glass court uh before in, in events uh in, in psa events and world championships and stuff uh, i think haven't you yeah yeah uh, yeah i've had my I've had my fair share of time on glass court, but you know, not enough consistently to be, uh, you know, like every time I hop on a glass court, it's, I, I, I definitely need to uh, change the way I think and play out there a bit. Maybe my tactics or, or maybe just as simple as like adjusting as in like, you know, your, your length needs to be a little higher or uh, you know, what, what type of shots might work a little better on the glass court. But, um, yeah, I've, I've always, I love a glass, like 
don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, if I could play on a glass court every day in tournaments or in practice, I'd do it. I'd love it. I love getting a white mm-hmm. ball out there. You're on a sweet glass court, the sound it makes. And uh, obviously, if you can play on it a lot and kind of uh, maybe perfect it in a sense, I mean, you're not going to be perfect, but if you can get used to it a bit more, it definitely uh, helps helps a lot when you get a chance to play on a glass court. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I would imagine that it suits your game because, uh, you know, the ball isn't, you know, you can use your speed to to get to balls and use your power to to sort of uh, control the, the movement uh, and placement of the ball as well. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely one of those courts that uh, when I have a good day on it, I'm like, oh, wow, that like, just, that just felt great. Like the, the <laughs> ball, the, the way it's moving and, and the, the way the, the white ball bounces and, and the glass, if you keep it tight, it's glued, it's tough for guys to get off. And, and, uh, and once you can kind of, uh, adjust your eyes and and see the ball well and 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 time things a little differently it's you know because the ball is bounced it is a single single dot and you're on glass it bounces off a little different so you do have to you know Mm. get your timing a little a a little bit you know more dialed in and adjusted for the glass court and uh and yeah for sure i i mean going back to the nationals and all it's like they they did they did do a lot they did do a good job they did do a lot of planning you can tell it was one of those events where it, you had to put a lot of hours into mm. to get it organized and they had i think the most competitors i don't know if it was ever maybe they said like in the history of nationals so yeah. uh yeah no, good one, for one them. thing that uh, that I, I think i tweeted this the other day or put it up there one thing that i really uh enjoy about these events in egypt or like you hear you you see it you hear it all the time all the kids like like shouting the names of players in the middle of the matches and stuff and uh, i just think that's amazing but i I, i'm not sure if i'm off on this but it just seemed like there were a lot of a lot of juniors around like uh, at the national events a lot of a lot of kids watching the matches which was uh which i think is really important for the game in order for it to grow a hundred percent. I think uh, there's times where you don't see that much. And it's a little like uh, when you actually think about it, it's like, you know, where are all the kids? Where are these juniors that play out of these clubs when these pro events are on? Like, why aren't there more kids here watching? Why aren't the parents bringing them out? Are they not promoting the event enough to the members or to these people? Right. So um, it is, is that, good, is that but, something you notice? Like when you, when you play in, in the, on the, on the tour and the events, uh, do you notice that there, there aren't, you know, there, there, there could be more juniors out there watching the, a hundred percent. If you've got a club with a hundred juniors in your program and you can only get five kids to watch a few mm-hmm. matches at night, like there's something wrong there, you know, you even like, especially a junior program, say, say you have, 15 kids in your high performance and these kids play four days a week. They play tournaments, you know, every few weeks they're playing in junior tournaments. Like why would they, why would they not be out watching pros play? Um, You know, if that's what they aspire to do, if that's what they're doing, there's not enough of that. I think, I think in general squash, there's so many people that play obviously worldwide, this and that, even at clubs, even my club, for instance, 
but most people have no idea about pro squash or the pro tour or who's who on the in the world who's top yeah. in the world there's only some handful of people who do i have members of the club who i know for a while or i've taught a lesson to or, or whatever we're just we just know each other they know me they talk to me they ask me squash stuff and and some of them know a decent amount and i'm kind of you know surprised to hear oh they watch squash too oh great it's cool you do that yeah i know this guy i know that guy uh and uh and we have some good chats and then there's people who have no idea about a thing they've playing squash for 20 years they don't know who's who they remember jonathan power oh they know uh uh jan shirkon hang your con is he still number one <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing Every time, I, every time I would take an Uber in Toronto, I would get a Pakistani guy saying, oh, this guy won 555 matches in a row. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that was uh, before I was born, buddy. Uh, but Egypt's taken over now. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, yeah, like discussing that junior thing. Yeah, it's yeah. sad that there's not more of that. Even when we had a pro tournament at White Oaks, uh, it was crazy. There was actually a full packed house for my first round match. But that yeah. being said, there wasn't more than 10 juniors there. Mm. And we have an 80 junior program probably. So why aren't, you know, why aren't more kids coming out to watch? If they yeah, you'd think, uh, I mean, I'm just thinking now, I mean, you'd, in order, I mean, squash is obviously what you see a lot of people talking about in, in the squash media and stuff is, you know, the growth of the game and, you know, paddle and pickle and all these other racket sports are overtaking squash. Well, you know, if we we know this, we've known this for a while. So what uh, you would think that maybe there, you know, if you're going to host a squash, a pro squash event, maybe one of the, you know, stipulations might be you have to have your your juniors all show up and watch the uh, the matches <laughs> yeah well you know what's one thing just got you know now that we're discussing the tournaments and juniors it's like there's some tournaments where they have sponsor nights where they get the sponsors out and maybe you have a dinner with them and all the players to meet them and then maybe one night they have a junior clinic where like say like uh it's the semifinals night and they have a junior clinic maybe for an hour or two hours before all that. And what happens is the guys who are out of the tournament now are the ones kind of running the clinic. Maybe, maybe the pro pays them each a little bit of money. And then you have all these juniors there that you're telling show up to hit with the pros. And you got like four pro players there giving their time, hitting with these juniors and the kids. It's a once in a, for some, it's obviously a once in a lifetime experience. In a sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, when you do stuff like that, I think it's great when you can tie yeah. in a little more with the junior tournaments, like, or the, the juniors, like for instance, our club, they try they tied in a junior event at the same time. So hmm. on the weekend, the semis and finals were on while the junior tournaments going. So then the crowd's bigger, you have more juniors there. Right. But some events are very quiet, very dull. It doesn't feel like a pro tournament. It's like, uh is this is this a sunday uh, afternoon practice session for me but it's actually like a big match so yeah, yeah. that's just the reality of the tour you you it's it's hit or miss at times and um, well, that, what what amazes me like uh with these egyptian tournaments is it's just like uh, these kids they're shouting out the names of the players that they want to win and and uh you know it, it's amazing uh, i really and, and that's why 
I mean, I'm not really sure relative to other sports. Obviously, soccer is the, the most popular sport in that country. But relative to other sports, I, I think squash is fairly high up there uh, in Egypt. Um, and if that, that might speak to, you know, somehow why it is because they've got, you know, their, their juniors have these heroes, right? These uh, squash heroes. Yeah. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. When I watched uh, one of the tournaments in Egypt on squash TV, not that long ago, maybe a month or two, two, two months ago or a month ago, I remember watching Asal play someone, maybe Diego. And uh, I remember the TV was showing the crowd quite a bit. And it was like the fifth game, Asal was winning. And these kids are going crazy in the crowd, <laughs> yeah. screaming Asal's name, jumping up and down. And like the parents are just sitting there cheering too. But the kids are the ones who are the rowdiest, rowdiest people in the crowd. Mm. You know, they're all hyped up. They're probably it's past their bedtime and they're yeah. just going crazy, screaming his name. And Asal's obviously egging them on, sticking his hands up and, and loving every minute of it. But it's crazy because, uh, you know, so many people talk bad about that and say, oh, these crowds, these crowds are ridiculous, this and that. But it, it's quite it's quite good to see. Like if you're a competitor and you're a guy on court, if people are booing you and talking trash, that's one thing where it's disrespectful. Yeah. And yeah. if you're in somebody's home crowd, home country, like, yeah, you're probably not. you got to be ready to not get many claps for you. You know, you hit a good shot. Maybe some people clap. Great rally. You get a clap. But for the, at the end of the day, you're not going to have a crowd of people in Egypt cheering for you if you're not Egyptian. And they obviously have more passion. Uh, they have higher quality squash players on average. They have uh, junior champs and pro, pro champs, uh, you know, top in the world in men's, women's, and juniors in all categories. So uh, yeah. fair enough to them. Maybe. Maybe that's what a lot of countries are lacking. I mean, I can't even probably get someone to cheer my name when I'm playing in a match at my home club. Maybe some little kid goes, you know, go Nick, like when I'm walking by after a game. But, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what some of us need. Maybe some people thrive on that. I mean, Asal yeah, loves just it. imagine if you had a, you know, the, the, the Nick Sackfe uh, fan club with, with thousands, hundreds of thousands or thousands of juniors uh, uh, as members uh, imagine the fuel that would add to you i mean yeah yeah i mean i'm a i'm a big happy gilmore fan uh yeah and that and that makes me whenever i would i think of stuff like that i think of happy gilmore just like going going off and, and just like playing with the crowd you know a bit it's like uh it's kind of it's kind of fun it'd be exciting to have the crowd uh, get a little more amped up and involved in some matches, you know, uh, the crowd obviously doesn't play into who wins, but it can bring a, another level of ex excitement and energy to it. You know, oh, definitely. If, uh, if, you know, if you're on, if you're on a glass court, like I've obviously watched some of the pro matches where they're in like Qatar or somewhere. Uh, I can't think specifically, but it's like, you know, quarterfinals or something and there's a huge auditorium full of chairs and they're empty and <laughs> yeah. then you go to some of these psas these guys go to and and the crowd is full and it's loud it's just a totally different energy in there like you you can feel it you know and sometimes people thrive off that they can it, it 
it's it's great like they're having these battles out there the crowds involved it it uh you know it gets the blood pumping a little more i think and obviously for squash like who wouldn't want a big crowd when you're on a glass court with all these with you know in a in a big stadium like that yeah well squash is one i mean it's such a dynamic and you know such a a game that that's such a you know you're using so much energy to play it i'm sure you know, if you were able to tap into easily, you could easily tap into to stuff like that if, you know, if it were there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, now I want to ask you, uh, you know, just about the Nationals or the, the, the semifinal. Now, obviously, you know, uh, you played uh, you played Sean there and you guys have played so many times and, you know, you've won a fair few and lost a few. But, uh, you know, going into going into that semifinal against him, I mean, there's probably, uh, you know, b- before you even get on the court, is there, is there a lot going on uh, sort of between the ears, uh, even more than, than uh, just sort of a, a normal squash match, given who you're playing? Uh, definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of that stems with, with just going into nationals in general, um, you know, knowing that Commonwealth's coming up is, it, it adds a little pressure in a sense. For all of us yeah and then obviously when you're in the mix to win well you know i've won two before i want to win it you know more than two uh two three sounds better than two yeah it just it looks prettier um so obviously you're putting that pressure on you the last one they had they pushed it later in the year to uh you know we missed the year and then they pushed the next one back into like October, November. And, uh, and you know, like for instance, I knew a lot of us weren't really probably primed to be playing at our best squash. Uh, and David just kind of took over and and he was just better than everyone. And he won nationals. Um, and then obviously they have this new one coming up. Uh, and yeah, I feel like, you know, they random, they randomized the draw at the three, four seat. But at the end of the day, it's like I probably would have guessed that I'd be playing Sean just because uh, with a sense of like head to heads and things, they probably want us to play. Yeah. And and of course, playing Sean. Yeah. I, you know, as he even mentioned after, he's like he was so excited to just beat me because he hadn't beat me in many, many years. And obviously, Sean's had a better career than I have. He's done a lot more. But he he. uh when I got to a certain level, I just kind of, uh, I guess when I first beat him type of thing, like I kind of, I just kept beating him in a sense. And I think that was kind of in his head a bit. And I just always had this thing now, like I'm confident playing Sean in a sense, maybe our game styles didn't match up that well. And, uh, and yeah, so obviously going into nationals, like I, I probably beat Sean like in 10, 10 matches in a row at that point. Right. And and he had beaten me uh, every time we played when I started on the tour. I mean, he was still a higher ranked guy. He was the guy who was playing one for Canada in a sense, you know. So uh, obviously you're like chasing him. Um, So, yeah, glass court, outside, rain delays. There's just so many factors that went into that match. He so he went up to love and I I was just. Not myself. Yeah. I had this weird stale feeling. I could get amped up when I tried to. I felt like I was forcing it, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I was just a little stale and flat, and even with my my racket, just just things weren't really popping off the way I liked. And he went up to love, and then we had about a thirty minute rain delay. Shit. Okay. So I'm just sitting there under an umbrella in the rain, trying to stay warm, and uh, we go back on, and I'm like, I just first two games, uh, he must have had five of unreal bounces in the cracks in the back this and that and i probably hit a good six tins at least maybe in just one of the games so i'm just like wow this is you know this is not going my way at all we get a rain delay i end up winning the next two games uh something i didn't do anything special i just tried not to hit mistakes and just it was a bit scrappy but you know it's just one of those days where like you're just stuck in this weird loop that you can't get out of. And I thought, okay, wow. Like I was like, after I won the fourth game and it's going to five, I'm like, okay. In a sense, I was like, not relieved, but I was like, thank God I didn't lose three love. Cause it was, it was going, it was getting to the point where it was one of those bad nightmare days where you have on tour uh, at pro matches here or there when you travel and you just have a bad match and you like, I don't want to think about that match again. I never want to replay it in my head. But then I came back. I ended up taking it to five. And we start the fifth game. And, uh, you know, I had a few, uh, just a bad start, cold ball. And yeah. bam, rain delay again, another 30 minutes. Oh, shit. Okay. So we had a rain delay right at the start. That's kind of got to be tough. I mean, uh, to play under those circumstances. You're, yeah. you're, a, guy, you're a guy who feeds off of, sort of momentum aren't you i definitely am i'm a momentum yeah. guy um i feed i feed off yeah like if my if i'm on a good roll and i have a good flow um i definitely I, I keep it going i don't change anything um and you know maybe at times when things aren't working out i get a little a little heated inside a little angry and maybe i'm not the most calm at times uh you know, I try to keep compo- composed out there, but probably inside you can't see the little man inside running laps. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I guess, was, I guess for Delier, uh, I mean, he for Sean, uh, he's one of these guys. He's more of a Zen type guy, isn't he? So oh yeah, for sure. So, he, I'm sure that that, he, that 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 fit that fit his uh, game. You know, if, if there's like yeah, he he thrives on some of those big moments. He gets in a good place and. And he, you know, like, obviously he wanted to win badly and he knows that uh, he hadn't beat me in a fair, fair amount of time. So he obviously came out and he, he had, he, he won a match that he's going to remember for the rest of his life in a sense, like it's a three hour match with two rain delays. It's in the semifinals and nationals in a great venue, uh, you know, and he's uh, beating his younger, younger, younger guy on team Canada. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair enough to him, but you know, we came out, I think, you know, it's like two and a half hours in it's probably nine forty-five at night now from a seven fifteen match. Yeah. And we're finishing off the fifth game and there's probably 25 people watching now from a hundred or so earlier. Cause it has been pouring. It's still raining. It's just not on the court now because the rain oh. was blowing onto the court. Oh, but yeah. it was still, but it stopped blowing on the court, and it was still raining. Just, just, 
just it was it, it wasn't blowing anymore so they okay. they could put us on the court and play so at the end wow. of the night it was like this small crowd uh when these rallies we were having battles and there was a tough rally like you could hear the crowd almost more just because it was so small and everyone was right in front of the court uh you know being louder and 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 they knew how important the match is. I mean, they're sticking around for three hours to watch us play outside in the rain. So uh, obviously, it didn't go my way in the end. And then, yeah, I was like, "Geez, I I don't want to play the next day. I don't want to play the three four. And then, <laughs> who who would want to? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So well, what ended up happening is I was, you know, I'm, I'm I I had to go back to the condo. I was Airbnb and relax i ordered some food and it's like it's like 11 o'clock at night and i get a text uh i'm supposed to play at 10 40 a.m the next day and it's about 11 11 30 and i'm just sitting there having a drink uh, and uh some food and i'm thinking wow i gotta play tomorrow this is brutal i'm just gonna try to play as fast and scrappy and aggressive as i can and just try to get it over with and yeah. i get a text i get a text from squash Canada saying, uh, I got a default tomorrow. And, uh, and that was that I was like, well, vacation started now. There you go. Not, I didn't have to show up at the courts and do anything. The next day was just a free day off. So it was great in that sense. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, now your, your season, um, uh, Nick is, uh, you know, you had a, if you've had some wins over some guy, like, I think you beat uh, the U S national champ, uh, uh, it was a Tim Brownell, right? <laughs> yeah timmy yeah you beat him in dallas and uh you also had a good you know uh you got to the final as you mentioned earlier at white oaks and you won uh, in 2021 anyways uh in gatineau uh, without dropping a game so you've had some you know really promising results and uh, in there you know mixed in there some some early exits as well as well so yeah yeah so how would you i mean i think the last time we spoke you your ranking might have been a little bit higher but uh, again, at that time, you, you had some good wins and mixed in with with some some results like that. So how uh, I guess it's the, the tricky part for you is just uh, uh, finding the the right place or the right uh, the best situation in terms of your training. But uh, you would obviously know better than I. How, how would you uh, assess where your game is uh, right now overall? Yeah, um, I think like the season as a whole. Uh, there were, you know, especially the start, you're pretty, you're not trying to be negative because you know, you haven't been as trained or, uh, haven't played matches, things like that. You're like when the season started for us, it was like all just all basically starting over. You know, we didn't even get that much training time in a sense throughout the year. You're a lot of stop, start time off this and that, but, uh, 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 you know, you always want to be playing better sooner. And obviously when like a couple months go by in the season, you know, I made a final early and then a couple months go by. It's like, Oh, it wasn't, you know, I just wasn't ready. Something wasn't clicking, you know, like when I lost to David at nationals in Toronto, I, I had to take a step back and look at the drawing board and be like, you know, with my situation, my setup at white Oaks, with my lack of training partners, my lack of match play, like what do I need to do to, to elevate my game and something else that will spring me back up. Mm. Um, and then, and then a week later after nationals, I'm winning Gatineau and beating everyone three love. Yeah. And, and that was, t that was 10 you days later. Game. 
Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, I don't know. It's everything went well. My stay, the way I ate, the way I was hitting the ball. Uh, I was calm. I was warming up well. And when I got on court, it felt very easy and it all just clicked. Like I didn't have to, it was effortless. You know what I mean? So um, there's moments where that wasn't, it wasn't like that. Maybe there was a time where I was coaching a bit at the club and I'm training by myself. So I was like, I got to stop feeding balls to people because uh, it's affecting my squash swing and the way I play. So I cut back on lessons, even though I wasn't doing that much, it was just enough that I thought, Hey, I'm feeding these guys balls for an hour. And then I'm going to hit the ball for an hour after solo. But it's like, I've just tapped the ball for an hour and now it's not, it's kind of messing with my, my play, my hitting, all that. Um, And then there, there were moments where I had to stop doing that. And then there were moments where there was just too many big gaps between events. I didn't get enough events in a certain time frame, and then if it I was seemed, playing, it seemed like playing, uh, to me it seemed like you didn't really, uh, you weren't playing as much as you had uh, this last season. I thought maybe you were injured or or something. No, it's just I was sticking to North America, yeah, and you know it, you know obviously COVID, you don't make, you're not making any money, um, trying to save money and. Uh, I was very picky with what I played because yeah. I didn't want to go fly somewhere and spend $2,500 for my stay and my flights. Uh, so I stuck it to North, I stuck to North America. So if there was anything that I thought would work out, I'd play those. And then there'd be a time period where there'd be six weeks without a pro tournament and you're in the middle of the season. It's like, you know, that's not, that's not the way to do it. Because yeah. there'd be nothing, nothing in the U.S. at the time, and then Canada was still dealing with COVID stuff. In Canada, yeah. all the the whole Canadian tour, basically, no one hosted the any events in the, that they would in the past. There could be five events in two months. Yeah, there was one in two months. It's like, okay, so what do we do now? Um, so I just, I just didn't play any events, and then I lost all my momentum as we, as we mentioned, and uh, yeah. Then you you just show up to a match and it's like you haven't played, you know, like the intensity, the the just being folk super focused and engaged out there. It just wasn't there. It was like I was kind of showing up for, uh, uh, you know, almost for a lesson without any real thought process and 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 really getting on that, you know, that elite athlete mentality, that mindset, that that physical uh, you know, game. So yeah, I think, I think overall with the season though, as the season went on, I, I found my groove in the new year. I think the, the one thing that I actually struggled with, like not health wise too much was COVID, but it actually set me back a lot, a lot, a lot when I got COVID, mm. uh, I got it during the holidays. And then for some reason, my chest and lungs just didn't really recover for like three weeks wow and and we had a lockdown in january in ontario just ontario of all the provinces in canada so uh, i had another chunk of about three weeks without hitting a ball so and i got covid so that just set me back so much when i was like playing fine i was fit 
And then it took me about a month to feel like, okay, I'm back in good enough form. Yeah. Um, and then as the season goes on the second half, I thought I was playing well and I had my moments of like really good squash, you know, uh, made finals at white Oaks and, uh, you know, I started getting the odd, you know, good win, like beating Timmy in Dallas, which was, yeah. uh, you know, my, in the new year, that'd be my best win. You know, he beat me, he beat me earlier in the year, uh, in end of January or start of February. Um, so he he's had some great success props to my boy timmy we've had we've room, we've been roommates a couple times this year so he's a really oh, cool. good guy and he's yeah. a great player and, and and they're doing a good thing at u.s squash at the u.s center and training all those guys i mean and and like we said yeah like for my training uh it's pretty tough here in the sense like i do everything on my own i have no team i have no training true training partners um i i I motivate myself uh, and I am, you know, it's tough, but obviously at the end of the day, I could say I could go move somewhere, but you know, it, to be honest, and, and it hasn't really been in my favor to go anywhere. It's just too expensive. To be honest, I haven't been uh, uh, had, had the best luck with some of the things that I used to have, maybe the funding and the support and that, right. that, that just holds me back. And I just, I just feel like, you know, at, at this point in my career, I'm like, I'm, I'm not saying I'm like angry at everyone or other people. I'm just saying, I just feel like I just, sometimes I feel a little bit, I'm, I'm alone and I just, I'm doing it for myself now. And well, that's uh, good fuel as well, mate. Uh, yeah, it is. And that, you know, and I've had, I've played good squash and I've had some good results uh, in the past, you know, two, three months, end of the season, which, which has been great. You know, I'm not where I want to be ranking wise but at the end of the day it's not like you can't just say i want to be here at this month or this rank here it's like you got to be performing well and you got to know that you're even at that level i you know if i'm 95 in the world or whatever right now it's like yeah i can say i should be 60 in the world again but like well i'm not there like i have to prove it i have to get yeah. the wins i have to get the results because you can talk about that stuff as much as you want and say oh i've been 60 in the world but that was years ago. And is there potential for me to move back up this season? A hundred percent. I mean, I feel like I'm in like a neutral position for me. So if I can get things rolling and get up, then there's no doubt that I'm going to keep moving up in the ranking. But at the end of the day, it's how I'm playing. And if I'm playing really good squash and I'm happy and I'm enjoying it, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. Uh, my squash game is going to elevate big time, but yeah, until then we'll see. I mean, I think this Commonwealth Games could be something that elevates my game from then onward, too. It's just one of those things that it's exciting to be there. It's exciting to be around other, not just top pro squash players, but like other elite athletes. You get you get this, it's a cool, cool feeling to be in that scenario with like all these athletes who do this full time as a living. And, and it's like, this is, you know, it's not why you do it, but it's a part of a part of it all it's a part of the journey it's the experiences you want to be a part of oh for sure well hopefully uh we get a few more events in canada in the up in the year uh or this year in the new season and that can uh, help uh, sort of propel you and generate that uh, that momentum 
A hundred percent. Yeah. I think there will be a lot more going on this year. Yeah. I think everything's is back in full steam and, yeah. and people are looking at the, 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 the one in Calgary, the one that Dean Brown and uh, those guys put on at the Bow Valley club. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the Canadian nationals both went off, uh, seemed to go off really well. And hopefully that bodes well going forward. But uh, Nick, I wanted to ask you just before, uh, just a couple of things before we go. Uh, you've been great with your time. I know White Oaks is synonymous uh, with, uh, you know, your father is uh, synonymous with, with the White Oaks uh, uh, squash venue there. And, uh, you know, he's a special uh, person uh, to the not only uh, uh, White Oaks and Niagara, but uh, Squash Canada, Squash Ontario in general. And uh, you mentioned Happy Gilmore uh, there a little while ago. Uh, I think, um, isn't it the Memorial uh, Golf Tournament coming up? Yeah. Yeah, they do one uh, every year. Well, they had to miss out last year, but uh, there's one in, yeah, this year it's in September, a little memorial golf tournament for him. And then they do some fundraising for the junior program at White Oaks. That's brilliant. Just if you don't mind for the, for the people who might not know, uh, you know, talk a little bit about your dad. I know he was the, he was the head pro maybe at, at White Oaks and then, uh, um, you know, he passed away. Uh, but what, are, you know, uh, obviously he's, means a lot to you but in terms of the squash community uh, as a whole yeah definitely um well geez he he was at white oaks for maybe 30 years or so uh maybe more actually and then uh well he used he so he 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 had two jobs when i was a kid he he, he always worked at general motors so gm down the road from white oaks yeah then he got the head pro job there so he did both and then when he retired from GM, he was full-time at White Oaks. And he had run so many events there and done so many things, good things for the club uh, that, you know, they added, they changed the club, they renovated it, they added three more squash courts. They went from five wow. squash courts to eight. And then you have eight courts now and you can host a lot, a lot more, a lot more people, bigger events, the bigger junior events. And, uh, I think someone mentioned my dad hosted roughly like 210, 220 squash tournaments at, during his time at White Oaks, Wow, um, which is a large amount. Right. And then obviously he was involved. He was like president of squash Ontario board. He was on, he was on the board still. He was part of squash, uh, squash Canada's board. Um, you know, he started Battle of the Borders, which was Can Ontario versus USA when I was a kid. Then it became Canada versus USA. He started that with an American guy. Uh, yeah, he did. He did so many things. He tried to start up the North American Junior Open, which happened for a consecutive amount of years. And then, uh, you know, when he passed away, it just kind of moved, fell off and they moved on from that. Um, but yeah, he did so much at the club, so much in squash and uh of course uh yeah he's definitely missed at the club they i mean it's great they the the waco family who who's, who owns white oaks they they uh they named the squash facility after him the mark sackley squash center so they have that up at the club and uh yeah definitely when i'm there it's obviously like it's kind of home for me as well still so it's it's uh you know you have so many people you know there since i was a little kid and so much going on um, you know, obviously, I know Matt, nice. Matt Easingwood speaks uh, so highly of your dad as well. He, uh, he, he really looked up to him. Yeah. Yeah. Matt was there for, since I was maybe like 10, 11 and 
so that's you know matt 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 worked under my dad for like geez i don't know maybe 14 15 years or something 14 years roughly yeah uh so yeah and he learned so much from my dad you know my dad had his his hands dipped in everything in the squash world in the sense so he was a and he was a, he was like one of those guys he's just really organized and always on top of things you know if something last minute came up he just always had an answer for it and he could make make both sides happy or whatever so he, sound, he sounds like the kind of guy that we you know obviously he he we should be sort of uh, mimicking what he did the, i mean to be able to uh convince investors or you know the people that you're you know the owners of a club to grow the game the way that he did uh that's amazing yeah definitely um yeah it's crazy how much potential uh white oaks had like it still has a lot more potential in the squash world they do so much still to this day uh squash is obviously like a a big time thing and they they host so many events every year like like we talked about like the reggae cup which is that, that adult <laughs> adult amateur event uh every year they, they host two amateur events every year kind of thing like the adult fun fun type of things and one's in october called the court classic and then in january yeah. february they usually have the reggae cup and I, I, I my told dad, dad I, 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 one day that's my dream to play in the reggae cup yeah yeah so my dad started that and called it the dread cup yeah yeah, yeah. initially someone complained about the name so they changed it to the reggae cup, but okay. so they'd have the, the, the cool, funky, you know, Jamaican style, uh, t-shirts for everyone. My dad would have the fake, uh, Rasta hat and hair on all weekend. And so would Matt and they, they'd get like 250 amateur players to come play this. Right. Cool. What? And, and, and for those people who don't know, white Oaks, white Oaks is attached to a, a hotel, a uh, conference center, a spa. So it, you walk through the club to the courts. People don't leave. They go to the restaurant. They go to the bar. They can stay in White Oaks all weekend without seeing the sunlight. So it's one of those places. It's just like it's unreal for people to get away for a vacation, play a little squash, have a good time with their buddies or whoever, and, and you know, eat, eat some good food, have some good drink. Um, so it becomes like a staple tournament for people. They come back every year and then more people want to sign up. Um, right. it's, def it's definitely, it has that, White Oaks has that uh, going on for them. Like it's, it's one of those places like they always, they always have good numbers. They're always going to get people to come play. Yeah, it's an ideal, it sounds like an ideal venue for like, just to get away for a squash weekend. Yeah. yeah yeah oh definitely there's so much going on and I'll, even niagara right if you want to stay at white oaks and do to, to the casino that's what people do they go to the casino <laughs> and they blow their money and they yeah. come back too late and then they play at 9 a.m and lose their match and they <laughs> love it <laughs> yeah yeah well good luck uh obviously you'll be playing in the the, the memorial uh event uh tea high and let it fly nick i will yeah I, I'll be I'll be working on my golf game when I when I can. Great. It's tough to get out for too many rounds, but hmm. I'm definitely at the driving range these days just to just to get my swing groove. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm playing uh, I'm playing uh, twice this weekend, so hopefully, uh, yeah. I'll yeah. think of uh, I'll, I got to get over for that one. Yeah, it's September. Huh? Jeez, that that'd be great to play in that. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Scramble. Oh, is it? Okay. It's, oh, it's a scramble. So four, yeah. four man scrap, four players. Yeah. Scramble. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, before you go, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, uh, bring up uh, some MMA. Uh, of course. You know, but, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to mention one thing. Uh, uh, the McGregor, the McGregor uh, Mayweather talks. I, I just hope that doesn't happen. What a joke. Yeah, I've I've moved on from any of that type of stuff. It's it's not that interesting anymore. It's no. already happened. And, uh, you know, McGregor needs to come back to MMA and get some wins. He needs to get some finishes. He needs to get his fan clubs fired back up. And he needs, and the MMA community, you know, they want it. The haters might want him to come back and lose, but also like the main fans. He's great for the business. He's great for, for, for athletes and sports people in general. It's it's, it's entertainment, you know, and, yeah, and, uh, win or know, lose, nothing quite like yeah. one of his fights. I mean, he he just brings it every time. He might not, you know, he hasn't won his last few fights, but yeah, always which is, yeah, which is tough. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's obviously so much boxing, MMA mixed chat with different things. Even like the heavyweights, you know, Tyson Fury and Ngannou. It's like, yeah, it's just silly. It's like, yeah, that doesn't, yeah, that I doesn't mean, excite me at all. That that no, point. it's yeah. like Tyson Fury is so good at boxing. He would make Ngannou look slow and silly. Yeah, and it's hard to knock guys out with one punch with boxing gloves on, especially a guy who can take a punch or also is just knows how to move out of the way. So, yeah, so who's your I guy mean, now? Who 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 are you? Uh, who who's one of your the, the fighters that you rate? To? Yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good Olivera. question. There's, there's always new guys that, you know, are exciting. And you know who I really like watching? And, you know, the last fight was 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 so-so. Like, uh, it seemed a little sloppy. But I really like uh, Jiri uh, Prohaska, the oh, Czech yeah. guy. Yeah. Because he's got such a funky style. And I love, I love guys who uh, are just, like, really have a good variety of striking like knees elbows and stuff that's and they can do it all they can kick they can knee they elbow they do funky stuff he just won the light heavyweight title that guy right yeah yeah Yeah, that's the guy yeah he's just so unorthodox and cool when they have a funky style you know i love i love hearing all these guys stories too right Mm. like for example in the squash world most guys don't know everyone's backstories or where they come from. A lot of them have similar backstories. Maybe they're a little boring and simple, but it's so cool. And like the fight world or these places, like where these guys come from, like how they lived their life and got into fighting. Cause it's such a different thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah. Guys like that. I love following. I love following the, the, the fight game, like even a bit of boxing, but. I'm yeah. more uh, I'm more of a, a UFC guy because I've been watching it since I was such a little kid. Yeah, yeah, so. I'm big into the UFC. I love it. Uh, uh, my favorite, I think, right now uh, would have to be Oliveira. Um, yeah, I mean, he just uh, he came out of nowhere and he's just dominating everybody. Yeah, but it's I good just, to see. Uh, I think they're trying to match him up with um, Mac. I forget his name. One of the Kazakhstani, like yeah, Makachev. Makachev, yeah. Yeah, what, uh, um, uh, Khabib's buddy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's anything like Khabib, it could be a long night for Oliveira. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, we'll no, there's some exciting stuff. Like this weekend's obviously some big fights. You got, yeah. you know, two, 
two or three title fights this weekend with the uh, Volkanovski. Uh, and you got uh, yeah, and, Volkanovski. Uh, you got Adesanya, yeah. and maybe one of the girls' fights, the, the women's fights. Uh, it's, yeah. it's good. I don't know. I think after squash, you'll you'll probably see me. Uh, maybe not not fighting in the UFC, but I just mean, uh, I think I'll the probably local, the local start doing, parts. yeah, yeah. I'll be in the local fight club in some guy's basement, but, uh, I, I'd like Jorge, to, Jorge Masvidal in the backyard. Fights, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm still young enough. I can still do it. Yeah. I haven't, I still got a good jaw. I haven't, haven't, haven't taken any punches. So, but it's definitely, it's definitely something like something like that. Like when I'm done squash, I want to do some things like I never got to do due to, um, potential injuries, this or that. Like, I'm not saying I'm going to be an MMA fighter. I'm just saying I'd like to get into more of those, uh, m- maybe some of the martial arts myself, like whether it's uh, boxing or jujitsu, just something to uh, spend my time doing here or there, like an hour, a couple of days a week, just a, a different workout. Uh, I'm not going to be training full time playing squash anymore. So I need some other hobbies and things that I'd be interested in. I'd love to do that stuff. I'd also, I'd love to go to a UFC fight and that's probably mm. going to happen in the next year or two. I'm going to book some tickets somewhere. And down go to away Vegas, for vacation. Right? Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm thinking is go to Vegas for a few days and, uh, and watch a big UFC fight and yeah. enjoy. I've never been to Vegas. So it'd be great to just enjoy it and see what's there and have some fun and, and uh, and then and then go watch like a UFC event. That'd be like a highlight. McGregor, McGregor will be back in the new year, so uh, that maybe yeah. tee that one up. Yeah, and maybe I'll be retired from the tour. Who knows? And then they'll sign me to the UFC. They'll see me. <laughs> okay. get in a, I'll get in a, a fight in the crowd. They're like, that guy's got potential. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe you can pick a fight with Nate Diaz and, and uh, <laughs> put him in yeah. a near naked choke. Yeah, I'll be. Uh, yeah, I'll go viral. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nick, uh, really, really enjoyed uh, catching up with you, mate. And uh, all the best at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, you and David and, and the lady, Sam and uh, Nicole. Uh, all yeah, Holly, Holly, and, Holly and Holly. Or sorry, Holly and uh, Holly and Nicole. Yes. Yeah. I should know that because uh, I think I'm going to be speaking with Holly uh, in a couple of days. So. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she'll be she's my she's going to be my mixed doubles partner. So oh, uh, great. There yeah. you go. So there you that's, go. That's who I'll be playing with as well. Yeah, she yeah. she's got the grit that you need. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She she brings good energy. So no, but thank you. Thanks a lot, Jared. It was it was great great to be back on the podcast and ch- and chat a bit of squash. You know, I I I could use a few more of these every once in a while. They get me they get me uh, amped up. I love talk, talking squash. They sometimes don't get into too many heavy squash conversation so it's great to uh, chat we gotta about make it. this uh, at least an i think it's been over a year since we did the last one so it, at least make it an annual if not biannual uh, uh yeah thing. for sure i've always got new things on the go new things happening so it's great to chat all right buddy take care and uh, all the best thank you very much have a good one well, really enjoyed that. As you could probably tell, Nick Sackfee, want to wish him and the rest of the Canadian squad on the Commonwealth Games squash team all the best as they head over to Birmingham in a few weeks uh, at the end of the month. Should be exciting stuff and all the best with their preparations. We're hopefully going to have a few uh, of the other team members on. We just had David uh, Bayarjan on uh, a few weeks back before uh, he came away with his uh, second Canadian national title. And at that point, he didn't 
didn't uh, know that uh, he'd be representing Canada. I'm sure he knew if the if the team if men were to be selected, he would have been one of them. Uh, but at the, at that point, uh, like in 2018, the men weren't chosen to play. Uh, on, uh, the men's squash wasn't chosen to represent uh, Canada there. So uh, this time around, all the best to those guys and gals in Berm in uh, yes Birmingham. So uh, hopefully we'll have uh, a couple of more members of the Canadian team and maybe uh, with any luck some other Commonwealth uh, Games squash representatives might join us. I might reach out to a few of the Welsh uh, uh, team, uh, the English team, yeah, anyone, anyone. If you're listening, uh, give, reach out to me and uh, would love to have you on the podcast just to flesh out a bit uh, about the feelings uh, heading into the Commonwealth Games. This is our Olympics, the squash uh, for squash, and it's a great opportunity to showcase the game. And I think at this uh, at this uh, particular Commonwealth Games, I and mean, we've got Paul Cole, we've got the entire as uh, Nick said, the entire uh, squash England uh, team, the Scottish team. We've got so many great, uh, you know, Saurav Gosal and the Indian uh, squad as well. So many talented players to really showcase our great game. And, uh, you know, it's uh, events like this that uh, go to show that it should be an Olympic sport. But um, anyways, all the best to everyone, but in particular, my fellow Canadians. So hopefully we'll have a couple of more Commonwealth Game representatives on over the next few uh, weeks before the event. Now, uh, yet before I go, obviously the, the podcast is going to be, uh, I'm going to be looking at that a little bit, but we've also got some other uh, special things in the hopper as well. So stay tuned for those. All the best with your squash, with your families. Enjoy your summer. I'm heading to uh, Halifax, Canada here in a few days so really looking forward to getting back home for the first time uh, in three years and i hope you enjoy your summer holiday as well take care and all the best with your squash goodbye now